Hi, this is Josh, and welcome to the Baseball Week, a weekly look around Major League Baseball. This week, we're going to take a look at our Players of the Week, Team of the Week, and a preview of September. But before we get there, we want to take a look at our Players and Team of the Month for August, wrap of the month of August. And we're going to start with our Player of the Month, with, which is excuse me, uh, Justin Turner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Justin Turner had a great month at over 400 in the month, had the highest on-base plus slugging percentage of eligible players, and he really is, in a lot of ways, the heart and soul of that Dodgers lineup, and when he is on, it makes a big difference for the team. It was an up-and-down month overall for the Dodgers, but they certainly need Justin Turner to keep playing well if they're going to get into the playoffs. They're very much uh, on the border right now in the National League playoff race. Pitcher of the month is Cole Hamels, who has been simply brilliant for the Cubs since they got him in a trade with the Texas Rangers at the end of July. A few years ago, Hamels was traded from the Phillies to the Rangers at the trade deadline, and he helped propel the Rangers to a wild card spot that year. This year, Hamels was traded from the Rangers to the Cubs, and he has certainly helped the Cubs take a firm hold as kind of the de facto best team in the National League at this point in the season. Hamels with the Cubs has an ERA under 1. He's 4-0 with an ERA significantly under 1. So he's been really dominant for the Cubs after struggling some this year with the Rangers. So it's certainly been a great acquisition so far for the Cubs. And Cole Hamels certainly our pitcher of the month for the month of August. For team of the month, we're going to go to the team with the best record this month. And that team is the St. Louis Cardinals, who have been on fire since the All-Star break. The Cardinals went in the month of August 22-6, and six, 22 wins against only six losses. That's three fewer losses than any other team in baseball had in August. In the month of August, the Oakland Athletics had nine losses, Cleveland Indians had nine losses, Boston Red Sox had nine losses. But nobody could touch the Cardinals with a 22-6 and six record. Since the All-Star break, they've gone from a 500 team to the team with the second-best record in the National League behind only the Chicago Cubs, as the Cardinals have taken a hold, at least for now, on that top wild card spot. And led by Matt Carpenter and others, the Cardinals have just really turned things around in the second half in the month of August, certainly uh, evidences that nicely. So there we have it, our player, pitcher, and team for the month of August. Congratulations, Justin Turner, Cole Hamels, and the St. Louis Cardinals. And we're also going to look at our player, pitcher, and team of the week for this last week of August into the first day of September. And our player of the week is Jason Kipnis of the Cleveland Indians. Cleveland, again, had a great month of August. And Jason Kipnis has, this past week, had has hit, um, well, his batting average is 526, which is pretty good right there. On base percentage, 571. Slugging percentage, 1158 is Great numbers across the board. Really, Jason Kipnis with 8 RBI, 3 home runs. He did it all. Kipnis was so great a few years ago for Cleveland. Had some injury issues recently, but with a month like, or past week like this, Jason Kipnis, uh, Cleveland certainly helps, can be a big help for this team down the stretch. Talk a little bit more about Cleveland in a minute and some moves they made to help out the team for the stretch run, but a week like this for Jason Kipnis, certainly a big, big positive for Cleveland. I uh, also want to look at our Pitcher of the Week. And that Pitcher of the Week is Kyle Hendricks of the Chicago Cubs. Hendricks, another Cubs pitcher here. Hendricks 
Went 2-0 this past week with an 0.69 ERA in 13 innings pitched. Uh, what can you say? That is a great week and just another sign of how strong the Cubs have been as they position themselves as the team to beat in the National League. And our team of the week for this past week, uh, we're going to go with a team that had a really strong week, lost a couple games, but we're talking about them quite a deal, quite a great deal. I'll take a guess if you can. They had the pitcher of the month, they had the pitcher of the week, it is the Chicago Cubs once again. The Chicago Cubs lost twice, once uh, in a suspended game to the New York Mets, and uh, one game to the Philadelphia Phillies, but they had a really strong week, uh, winning a game against the Braves, winning a game against the Phillies, winning a few games against the Mets, game against the Reds. They played a lot of teams this week, and they did well against all of them. As they, again, stronghold in the National League, the Cubs are the team to beat, and they show it once again here with their Team of the Week award for this past week. We'll continue our tour of the National League Central with our Stat of the Week, and for that we're going to go to the Milwaukee Brewers, who played an amazing, crazy game against the Cincinnati Reds earlier this week that the Brewers won 13-12 in 10 innings. That's wild enough, but in this game, Christian Yelich of the Brewers went 6-for-6 six six with a cycle, including a grand slam. That sounds like it hasn't been done very often. You are correct. That has not been done very often. Yelich is just the fourth player in the live ball era. To have six hits as part of a cycle, six hits including a cycle, uh, the others on that list are Ian Kinsler in 2009, Rondell White in 1995, and Bobby Beach in 1920. So a remarkable game for Yelich, a remarkable game for the Brewers as they stay right in the middle of the wild card race in that strong National League Central with the Cubs and Cardinals uh, in it as well. So the Brewers, great game for them and great game for Christian Yelich, who's suddenly become an MVP candidate for Milwaukee as well. Speaking of cycles, our trivia question of the week comes from the cycles department. Uh, for our question of the week, we want to say, who are the uh, four players who have hit for the cycle the same season they won the Triple Crown? We talked a little bit about the Triple Crown last week. That's leading the league in batting average, RBI, and home runs in the same season. J.D. Martinez has a legitimate chance to do that in the American League this year. Uh, four players have hit for the cycle and gotten the Triple Crown in the same season. Who are those four players? So, hand three of them are American League players. One of them is a National League player. All of it happened, if you want a second, and all of it happened in the 1930s or previously, but for uh, well-known four Hall of Fame players. So, Hall of Fame players, but it has not happened in a long, long time. Who are the four? The answer will be revealed at the end of the episode. Also this past week, we saw the waiver wire trade deadline a review. The trade deadline is the end of July, but the trade deadline is not really the trade deadline in Major League Baseball because you can still make trades after July 31st. You just have to have the player in the trade pass through waivers first, meaning that every team has a chance to claim the player. If a team claims the player, the player can either be given to that team with the new team having to play the play, pay the player's full contract or the team who put the player on waivers can pull that player back. So, for example, the Washington Nationals recently put Daniel Murphy on waivers. Murphy, great second baseman. He was claimed on waivers by the Chicago Cubs. The Nationals elected to work out a trade with the Cubs, where Murphy was acquired by the Cubs. So, this trade deadline, it's really the second trade deadline, August 31st. There's actually a third trade deadline, too, which is never, because... After August 31st, you can still make waiver deals. The only issue is that waiver deals made after August 31st 
generally the player acquired is not eligible for the postseason roster because all players eligible for the postseason roster must be on their team's roster by September 1st. So that's a lot of information. General recap, July 31st, anybody can be traded before July 31st. Before August 31st, anybody can be traded if they are put on waivers. After August 31st, anybody can be traded if they're put on waivers, they're just not eligible for the postseason roster. So that's a brief overview of the confusing trade rules in Major League Baseball. There's more to it, but not worth getting into. What is worth getting into is that there were a lot of big names traded here at the end of August. There was a really big trade at the end of August last year when Justin Verlander was traded from the Detroit Tigers to the Houston Astros. All Verlander did was dominate down the stretch and help the Astros win the World Series. Verlander was traded mere seconds before the deadline at the end of August. Really uh, dramatic uh, trade there. Tie the Tigers to the Astros. The Astros just getting Verlander in time. Verlander, who had played his entire career up to that point for the Detroit Tigers. So there may not be a move with quite that impact this year, but there were still a lot of moves. For example, we talked about Daniel Murphy. That was a big one right there. Nationals also traded Ryan Madsen to the Milwaukee, I'm sorry, to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Another Nationals pitcher, Gio Gonzalez, was traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers also acquired um, Curtis Granderson from the Blue Jays. Granderson, really good veteran player, uh, great in the clubhouse as well. And Xavier Cedeno, White Sox reliever. Maybe the biggest trade, if you had to pick just one, was the, well, let's say maybe two of the biggest. Well, one of them is the Yankees acquiring Andrew McCutcheon, the former MVP for the Pirates. McCutcheon was with San Francisco. He was traded to the Yankees, and he had to shave his beard because the Yankees have a no-beard policy, but it's the way it goes sometimes. So the Yankees got Granderson. Also, the Cleveland Indians got a former MVP, Josh Donaldson, from the Toronto Blue Jays. Donaldson's injured right now, but if he can regain some of his old form, it could be a really big trade for the Indians. So those are just that's a very brief list of some of the trades made. There were other notable trades made uh, during the deadline, and... Really, it's quite, quite notable how many players were traded after July 31st. July 31st in recent years seems to be becoming less and less of the true hard trade deadline and more and more of kind of the first trade deadline. So we'll see what kind of impact moves these players make and if anybody can do half of what Verlander did last year. Imagine that their new team would be quite happy. All right, so that's August. Waiver trades and positioning yourself for the pennant run. And really, it's just like the third day of a golf major is moving day, where you get in position for that fourth day to try to take home the championship. The August in Major League Baseball, the month of August in Major League Baseball, is kind of moving month for baseball teams. So a team like the St. Louis Cardinals, firmly positioning themselves in the heart of the NL playoff race. A team like the Seattle Mariners, making much more of a long shot, or at least less likely they'll get into the playoffs after struggling some in August while teams like the Oakland A's played so well. So moving month is over, and pennant month is on. And I want to just kind of give a brief preview of where everybody's standing as we head into this pennant race. Start with the American League. The American League has certainly been the more consistent of the two leagues during the season. We have the Red Sox, who are dominant, eight games over the Yankees. The Yankees still with the second-best record. 
and uh, firmly holding on to that first wild card spot in the American League. We have the Cleveland Indians, who have kind of, well, they've had a big lead in their division for months now. Their record is not quite up to that of Boston or the Yankees or Houston, but they're 77-58 and 58 as we speak. It's a very good record, and they are 14 games up in their division. Don't want to say a team is coasting through the season because you've got to play really hard to win one baseball game, let alone 77. But Cleveland has certainly had a favorable division this season, and it certainly helped uh, them kind of fly under the radar this year. It's hard to be 20 games over 500 roughly and be this much under the radar, but Cleveland's just kind of moving along, getting ready for the postseason. In the American League West, we have the Houston Astros as we speak with a two-and-a-half game lead over the Oakland Athletics. Oakland is right now the second wild card, and they, as we speak, have a a four-and-a-half game lead on the Seattle Mariners for that second wild card spot. Uh, There's really no other team in contention that much. The one other team I'll mention are the Tampa Bay Rays, who are nine games over five hundred, and they are three-and-a-half games back of Seattle for second place in the wild card which means using our math skills that they are 4.5 plus 3.5. They are 8 games back of Oakland for the second wildcard spot. So 8 games back in September, quite the long shot. Although the Rays are about as interesting as the team has been this year with their unorthodox use of pitching, uh, using relievers to open games, calling them openers, uh, using a four-man rotation at one point and trading away a lot of their starters. They don't have a whole lot of pure starting pitchers left. So, if anyone can make a crazy comeback, it's probably the Tampa Bay Rays. But that's the American League right now. Individually, mention a couple things. Edwin Diaz of the Seattle Mariners has a chance to set the all-time saves record for a single season. He's on pace to just about tie Francisco Rodriguez, who has the record. Rodriguez has the record back when he pitched with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Diaz has a legitimate chance to reach that mark this year, so that's a fun thing to keep track of. And he has the closer for the Mariners. Also, as mentioned earlier, J.D. Martinez has a legitimate chance at the Triple Crown. Most home runs, most RBI, and highest batting average in the league. And that's a fun story to watch as well. In the National League, things are a lot more fluid and a lot more unpredictable in general. We'll go division by division. The Atlanta Braves right now with uh, entering Sunday's game with a three-game lead over the Philadelphia Phillies and a a seven-and-a-half game lead on the Washington Nationals. The Nationals still hovering around 500. Are they still in the playoff race? I don't know. They've traded away some of their best players, but you can't count them out completely at this point, especially in such a wide-open division and a wide-open league. But it looks like uh, the Braves and Phillies battling that with the Braves having the edge now in the National League Central. It is the Cubs with a lead of about four, we have four and a half games on the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Milwaukee Brewers, Cardinals and Brewers right there, both um, kind of hovering back and forth for the top wild card spot right now. In the National League West, it is the Dodgers who tied the Diamondbacks late Saturday night for the division lead, with the Rockies just a half game out. So great division races, great wild card races all over the place. In the National League, one fun theory that's been floated out is what happens if the Cubs win the NL Central in the Braves, Phillies, Cardinals, Brewers. Dodgers, Diamondbacks, and Rockies all end up with the same record. In this scenario, there would be, again, there's five playoff teams, three division winners, and two wild cards. We would have playoff games for the divisions between the Braves and Phillies and some sort of playoff series between the Dodgers, Diamondbacks, and Rockies. 
with the losers of those entering playoffs for the wild cards, along with the Brewers and Cardinals. It's very confusing. I don't know if there's necessarily a full procedure in place for such a baffling seven-way tie, but the very fact that there is some discussion about what to do if there is a seven-way tie in the National League tells you just how wild this division has been this year. Would that be incredibly cool if there is a seven-way tie and we end up with a week of very complex playing games? That would be very cool, yes. Unlikely, yes, but you can dream. You can wonder what it would be like. Uh, it would be an unprecedented situation, certainly, um, that I'm aware of in any American pro- professional sport. So, uh, suffice it to say, the National League has a lot of drama and a lot of unpredictability still to come in September. Also some interesting races individually in the National League. We didn't talk about the award races in the American League, but there's great ones. MVP, we've got Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor of the Cleveland Indians. We've got J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts of the Red Sox. We've got Mike Trout, who despite missing weeks with an injury is still awesome with the Angels. And any of those five guys could still take home MVP. It's such a great race. So many great performances by players in the American League. Cy Young in the American League also wide open. There's Chris Snell, Chris Sale rather, and Blake Snell. I'll combine the two. Chris Sale and Blake Snell. Both of whom have missed a little bit of time with injuries, but both of whom have ERAs hovering around two. Not to mention uh, Trevor Bauer, who also has a very low ERA and has missed some time with injury. There's Justin Verlander. There's Corey Kluber. There's Garrett Cole all of whom have higher innings totals. ERA is not quite as strong, but the Cy Young race in the AL is also wide open with so many great performances. The National League MVP race, well, speaking of wide open, this is another one. None of these major awards are set at all at this point. The MVP could be a pitcher. It could be Max Scherzer or Aaron Nola or even Jacob deGrom of the Mets, despite the Mets being out of contention. deGrom has just been that good. It could be a position player, Matt Carpenter of the Cardinals, Christian Yelich of the Brewers, Freddie Freeman of the Braves, Nolan Arenado of the Rockies, Paul Goldschmidt of the Diamondbacks. It seems like every team has an MVP candidate in the National League. Certainly, again, wide open may not even do this race justice. The Cy Young race in the National League may be the most intriguing of all the races because there are three pitchers having brilliant seasons. Jacob deGrom has the best ERA of the bunch, ERA well below two, but his wins total is pedestrian because he just has very poor run support. Uh, playing with the Mets this year. There's Aaron Nola, who's second in the ERA. There's Max Scherzer, who's third in the ERA, first in strikeouts. All these pitchers, brilliant, brilliant seasons. Any of them would win the Cy Young so many years. Who will pull out of the race uh, to get first place this year? I don't know. Uh, DeGrom has the best ERA, which uh, has mattered more in recent Cy Young years than wins have. Wins as a pitcher have kind of been lowered as Lowered in importance in the new analytics age, but which of these pitchers will come out on top? It could be an epic race to find out. So yes, it's Labor Day weekend. Pennant race baseball has begun, and that's really something great about Major League Baseball. I've talked before about how baseball flows with the calendar and the season so well, how it starts up as spring starts up and it reaches its heart of the season in the heart of summer, and as the weather, you first get that nip, that cool in the weather, Tells you the pennant races are starting. Tells you the playoffs are coming. The playoffs are underway as it gets a little bit cooler. And then when winter comes, baseball rests for the new season. So I love that about baseball. And I love the time of the pennant races. September is such an exciting month in pro sports in general. NFL starting, college football starting. Um, First start hearing about um, NHL training camp starting. NBA starting to get underway. 
college basketball's on the horizon. It's kind of the start of a new year in a lot of ways in the sports world. And all those sports starting up, none of them take the candle from baseball that has its most dramatic points of the season as the weather cools a little bit. You can almost feel that added tension in the air. So the pennant races are coming. The awards chases are coming. And there are so many great races this year. We've been following these teams for months and months. Which team will pull it out? You know, the more you watch, the less you know. And that's certainly true this year. Because there is half of the teams in Major League Baseball who could still legitimately win the World Series. And how exciting is that? How exciting will the next two months be as we find out what the answer to that question uh, truly, truly is? And we find out who will win MVP, who will win Cy Young, who will win Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year. Who will be an October legend who will look back on and say, yes, of course, this was the season when this player hit that dramatic home run and this team had that amazing Game 7 win and that dramatic comeback. All of these things are still to be written, and that's one thing that makes this season, this day, these days of anticipation of unknown still to come, so exciting. So the pennant races are coming, the playoffs are coming, and let them come. Also, before we wrap up, one brief correction to this episode. Christian Yelich, in his 6-for-6 game with the cycle, did not hit a grand slam, but he did go 6-for-6 with the cycle, so still a good day's work. Before we wrap up, our trivia answer. Again, the question, the four players hit for the cycle the same year they won the Triple Crown? The answer is going to go back to 1901 in the American League for Nap Lajoie. Then 1933, it happened in both leagues when Jimmy Fox did in the American League and Chuck Klein in the National League. And then 1934, Lou Gehrig. So in 33-34, it actually happened three times, and it hasn't happened since. Uh, Gehrig, by the way, is the only player uh, to have a full major league uh, triple crown in the year he had for the cycle, with Gehrig leading all of Major League Baseball in batting average home runs and RBI in addition to hitting a cycle that season in 1934. By the way, three players have also had for the cycle the same year they won MVP. Jimmy Fox in 33, Ted Williams in 46, Mickey Mantle in 57. So, that's right, Lou Gehrig did not win MVP that year, despite uh, leading all of baseball in home runs, RBI, and batting average. So, cycles cycles are more fluky. Not that they're not incredibly impressive, but they're more fluky than something like a triple crown or an MVP. But it's certainly interesting to see where cycles match up with these season-long Uh, shows of dominance. So that's our trivia answer, and that's our show for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Feel free to reach out to us at thebaseballweek at gmail.com. That's thebaseballweek at gmail.com. Again, thanks a lot for listening, and have a wonderful week. Take care.